This week in the NFL has been a wild one to say the least and everybody here at Return the Picks wishes the best for DeMar Hamlin in his recovery and it was great this week to be able to record the podcast as good news continued to come out about the Buffalo Bills safety's improving condition uh, as he is in hospital. A big thanks to all of the first responders, medical staff that helped and everybody else that of course helped to get Hamlin in a position where he's starting hopefully to make a recovery from what would have been a potential tragedy on the American football field. Uh, myself and George Egator started talking, of course, about that on this podcast. And we started recording as we were in the middle of a conversation. Unfortunately, the conversation was talking about Skip Bayless and his reaction to what happened to Hamlin and the aftermath from that. Sit back and enjoy the Return the Pigs podcast. Over the middle, picked off! Blitz coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. Um, explain is the end of his tweet, where I think he, he, I think what they were saying is he's basically saying that now. Obviously, the game is quite important given the moment, it, the, the the time of the game in the calendar before the playoffs, being able to reschedule it. And now none of that is important because of what's happened. But I personally, I think it's a case of how people see it. I didn't, I don't see it like that because the fact that you're able to still mention those other things in terms of how important the game is, how important. And that, I mean, technically, no, he's, that isn't a lie. We know it's important because of the time of year, right? Mm. And seedings and, and, and division places, we know that's true. But for me personally, there was no need to to mention those other things. It just there was there wasn't a need for for me. And then just to, to for him to then go on the show. I mean, obviously Shannon didn't show for the the next the the following show, and then he did the one after that. And then just to like <laughs> the way he just carried himself about it, abrupt, interrupting Shannon after what thirty seconds, if that, mm. before he could even get his take in. Um, yeah, I'm just and to be fair, I wasn't actually aware of. I've, I'd never actually watched their show. I'd seen clips on Instagram and hot takes and I didn't actually realize what Skip was about. Um, obviously he, I don't even know what the thing was with Brady. I think he, Shannon, him and Shannon had something about something that was said about Brady. I don't really know. Maybe you can fill me in, but I will say he's not a character that I like. I've seen some more, not, I've, since then I've, I've gone back and looked at some other things and you know, you get it like drama creates clicks, clicks, brings in the money, all that kind of stuff. So, Hey, but um, yeah, I'm just not a fan of him as a person really. I I never am sure whether to take Skip Bayless as Skip Bayless, the person you see on TV, compared to Skip Bayless, the person that he actually is. Um, mm. And I always wonder how much of a line you have to go by. Um, to put it into some context, like Adrian Durham, I think, is one of the best broadcasters in the United Kingdom. He's phenomenal at what he does. And he's very good at making sure that he says things that generate interaction with an audience. Yeah. Now, whether he believes it or not, he knows that he has a job to do that. And he can also be very good at finding valid researched points to back up whatever side of an argument he's taking. And whoever's on the yeah. show, like when it was him and Goffey would take that thing. And that whole skip and uh, Shannon, Shannon is seemingly based around that kind of talk small mm -hmm. model of, of generating interaction and generating hits and all that. 
So I'll always take that with a pinch of salt. I will back him up with this of saying that in a tweet before that tweet and in that tweet itself, he said nothing matters except for the uh, the safety of DeMar Hamlin. Like, and that is completely true. Everything mm. that gets said around this whole argument, the most important thing is that DeMar Hamlin gets through this incident as unscathed as possible it's it's looking promising at the moment with the bills released a statement this thursday saying that physicians caring for demar hamlin at the university of cincinnati medical center have said that uh, demar has shown remarkable improvement over the last 24 hours he's still critically ill has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact which is fantastic to hear uh, his lungs continue to heal and he's making steady progress there's also been discussion about how he's been able to interact with doctors uh, apparently asked who won the game. Doctors replied, you won the game of life. Don't worry, Damar. Um, so that that's all incredibly positive news. I do think while it's ill-timed, Skip is skipping that tweet definitely was saying what every NFL owner that is involved in a playoff push right now, what the Kansas City Chiefs and what every executive at the NFL was thinking in that moment. And... When something happens like this, it's a very obviously emotional time. But I guarantee there are a lot of people in suits that were making very unemotional decisions and discussions in the immediate aftermath, probably while Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were still on air talking about it, of what we're going to do. And so it's crass, I think, for Skip to have kind of done that and aired that publicly. But I think you'd find even a lot of NFL fans probably asking similar questions at that moment. So uh, it's, you're right. It's the only <laughs> time I'd ever stick up for, for yeah. Skip Bayless no, in any way, you know, I get it. I get it. And if you look at, um, for example, fantasy football, let's go down that route. And you and I know in our league in particular, I was up against Dre. We were tied by the time the game stopped. We were tied on 87 points. Exactly. Um, and naturally, the game comes to a halt, of course, first and foremost, you're thinking of Damar Hamlin and, and what's happening there. But as a human being, like you've said, in particular, those in suits and those who are sitting in the offices, those in New York heading up the, the league and everything, they're probably thinking, okay, what's the fallout from this? What happens in terms of the games? And that is what a lot of people will be thinking 100% because we are human beings and we can't ever deny that. And if anybody said otherwise, I think they would be lying. I think the difference is vocalizing it and putting it out there um in a way that kind of comes across insensitive and i do agree with you Mm. his tweet before that tweet did say everything that you did say correct which is why it it led me to think well the rest of what you said in your following tweet didn't need to be said because you know you've said you've basically said the right thing um because all that did matter and still does matter and yes he's getting better is is the hamlin but then why follow up with that tweet which just is strange And some people were saying it's because, you know, he wants to be, again, I didn't know, I didn't know much about Skip personally, apart from what I've seen, small clips here and there that they go back and forth, him and Shannon um, on Instagram and YouTube and social media. But I just don't feel like it was needed. Um, He'd got his point across quite well in the previous tweet. And like, like I said, that, that was all kind of that all that needed to be said. And whilst you are correct, most people be it NFL fan, um, head coach, whether people like that or not, that obviously is true. People in the league, in the suits, people in New York, um, just everybody who's watching the game and has some kind of involvement naturally would have been thinking, we're in December, 
sorry, we're in January. Um, and the the Super Bowl is next month. These games, obviously, everyone tuned in. To, to, and for us, it's what the one one fifteen a.m. game. I think yeah, it was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You, you want to stay up for that game, and then something drastic happens. Unfortunately, you know, it happens in the game that we play. Um. And again, you're human to be thinking that. Okay, what happens now? Um. And then there's obviously the talk about. The, well, we don't know for sure, but there was talk about the league. I say the league that the. They wanted the game to continue, essentially. I don't know how true that is. We're not going to know. We did hear that they said... And it was announced on um, the game commentary. I can't remember. I think you said it was Troy Aikman. I forget who else it was. Joe Buck and Aikman, wasn't it? On the, Yeah, on so the they, they they would have been told by someone that there was going to be five minutes and then, you know, they were going to continue. And I don't know where that came from, um, but all I know is Sean McDermott and um, I forget his name. Is it Zach Taylor? Zachy Taylor, yeah. Um, obviously had their conversations and essentially I'm sure they decided that this can't happen. Um, but whether the league said, you know, did actually want the game to continue or not, we're never going to know. Um, but the main thing that matters is, is Demar Hamlin and his health and the latest update, because pretty much like you and I and everybody else, I've just been scrolling Twitter every, <laughs> every now and again, just every day, every second of the day, just refreshing, trying to find the information. And obviously we've got that information today, which is great news. Um, Seems like he's heading in the right direction, and that's, the fact that he was able to ask, albeit written down, um, who won the game, says to me, you know, things are going the right way. Yeah. Um. After an after an unfortunate incident like that, um, you know, you're not necessarily thinking that maybe he's going to remember what happened, but for him to, you know, instantly be taken back to the the moment where he T Higgins obviously, you know, tried to get the extra yard and and as a standard, so look, that's something that I've done a hundred times over, right. I play running back and I play a physical style of of running back. And that means if you're in my way, I'm going to try and truck through you. And it's part of the game. It is a part of the game, but this isn't a part of the game that you want to happen. You don't ever wish ill on anybody. Yes. You might have rivalries in the Patriots and the Colts or Green Bay and Chicago, but you never want anything like that to happen. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just one of them things that, that can happen. Um, but I think we've seen the generosity of fans all over the world who have you know obviously clubbed together to raise that's got to be over over seven million now i think um for his charity yeah so yeah it's good kind news, of, isn't it? kind you of know? smashed that 1500 dollar target that he had for the charity yeah i think it was GoFundMe. i think it was two and a half they were after yeah <laughs> um and yeah yeah i mean it's great to see and the fact that he's now on the road to recovery is even better yeah it's um i think just finally to clear up the skip thing i think one of the biggest outrages from it was the fact that you're somebody that profits from being that sort of an instigator anyway. So you've done the right thing with your tweet previously saying it's all about Hamlin, get better, get healthy. And some people definitely would see you now trying to profit on a possible tragedy to generate more attention for yourself, which not to be too critical of people because there are a lot of genuine thoughts and prayers, tweets and messages out there. But there are some messages out there from people that it's like, it's not about you. Like you're trying to make what is a horrendous situation about you. It's one of those times where like, personally, mm -hmm. I, I definitely sit off Twitter. Uh, like just the fact yeah. that you are giving the right energy and sympathy to somebody in a, in a horrific yeah. moment is a great thing to do, I think vocalizing it on twitter is a dangerous kind of well is that so everybody else sees you kind of doing it and that mm -hmm. and i think because skip is in the position that he's in there is a very natural reaction to jump to that 
I mean, I think Kendrick Perkins, the uh, former Boston Celtics NBA player, was like, you vile scum of a human being or something. And it was like, mm-hmm. whoa. There were, there were a lot of um, celebrities, if you like, or players of, of different sport accolades in whichever sport. And I mean, when that happened, I was on Twitter and I was actually reading the particular thread underneath Skip's tweet and it was full on. It was, Savage, and I'm, I mean, can't really be surprised, I suppose. Um, no, you're, but, hey, you're tweeting this like 20 yeah. minutes after the guys hit the deck and you've seen the ambulances come out and everything. Like, yeah. it, it's just ugly. It's, mm-hmm. it's unfortunately, I think, the ugly side of like modern day sports journalism, modern day NFL journalism. Um, you know, we've we on this podcast have made loads of jokes about how, like, you know, somebody will do something horrendous, but don't worry. It's Antonio Brown would do something one week, but don't worry. <laughs> somebody else will do something the next week and you'll forget mm. about what Antonio Brown did throwing, uh, what, penis shaped gummy bears at his uh, <laughs> girlfriend or whatever it yeah. was he did. Yeah. So it moves on very quickly until something like this happens where the new cycle doesn't move on and the mm-hmm. whole league almost is shutting down because of this moment. And yeah, yeah I think it's. It's poorly timed, but I would hope to suggest that Skip Bayless didn't necessarily think, wasn't thinking in that way, or if he was, he regrets it and sees it as a massive error of judgment and is very sorry for what he did. Mm. Um, and as as we say, it is kind of all about Demar Hamlin and the efforts that people like uh, Denny Kellington did, uh, the Buffalo Bay, uh, Buffalo Bills uh, athletic trainer who gave him CPR on the field, and the Bills have been great in kind of giving him. Uh, an accolade in this moment and say, you know, big reason why Hamlin is probably in the condition he's in right now. And I think in general, in sport at this point, we've seen it happen, obviously, the Christian Eriksen incident at the Euros for for Denmark. We had the Fabrice Moamba incident at Tottenham a few years ago um, that have affected soccer. We haven't, I don't think, I can't recall the last time I've seen anything like this in in an American football game, particularly in the NFL. Uh, which staggers belief in that sense because the number of Mm -hmm. hits that people will take to the chest and the potential for something like this to happen. But doesn't it just show how lucky we are as well to be watching sport where you've got EMTs, defibrillators, ambulances on the spot like that, that can Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, this is so much worse. And we're not having even a ray of sunshine possibly at the end of this conversation, you know? Oh, absolutely. And 20 years ago, safety was nowhere near the same. Equipment was nowhere near the same. The danger was sky high mm. and you wouldn't have had the same level of, of care or service, the instant reaction. Like you said, that's the, probably the main reason why he is in this condition because of the fast response. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, it's not something you want to watch back, but, you know, he obviously collapses to the floor beside one of the players. The ref, one of the refs sees him and instantly waves, you know, the, the double hands and the hat. Um, and then you've got the players who are signaling too. And I think, I think, uh, medical staff, coaches, etc. When they see players doing that kind of, you know, get over here quick, you always know it's it's not it's not a sight you want to see, and you know it's something you need to respond to. And that essentially is why he's in this in the situation that he is, and he's he's able to recover and hopefully continues to recover. Yeah, and um, look, even whether he's able to step on an American football field again or not doesn't really matter at this point. The fact that hopefully he will be able to recover from this um, will be great. Uh, not to be Skip Bayless, but like we do have a question of what is yeah, going no, no. to happen right. at this yeah. point. Like, have you heard any signs? I mean, I've been involved in a in a WhatsApp message group surrounding kind of things that are potentially taking place for the postseason. Oh, um, okay. And there there is a apparent ongoing discussion about maybe shifting the playoffs down. That is a potential possibility. Wow. Which would mean the AFC and NFC Championship games would be on that weekend of the Pro Bowl. 
Uh, whether the Pro Bowl would still take place or not, I don't know about that. This is just what we're kind of doing, and it would be a shortened week then going into a Super Bowl with just one week between, obviously, the normal kind of game schedule of Sunday to Sunday for the championship games and then into a Super Bowl, which mm. which apparently hasn't been ruled out yet. Um, That's interesting. Um, I, about maybe half an hour ago, again on, on Twitter, because it seems to be one of the fastest places to get news nowadays, <laughs> Um, Elon's raking it in on this one. Not, tell me about it, right? <laughs> Take over and now this. Um, I actually saw quite a few things that said the game was potentially just not going to be played. So That's... it's interesting that you... That yeah, is another option, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your take about what you heard, that's, that's. I mean, the Pro Bowl is very different now. It's more flag-based. It's not so much the NFL players because, I mean, they didn't care about it anyway, really. Mm. Um, so that's not a bad idea. I think it's more skills-based, more flag-based, which is, you know, it's showcasing the, the sport of flag. And it, those who get to take part, I suppose it gives them a great opportunity as well. But, you know, when you have exceptional circumstances, you, you've got at this point in the season, I guess we have to say, you have to try and find a way around it. And it, I did see quite a few things about the game just not being played, but that take about potentially playing it on a Pro Bowl weekend makes some sense to me too, actually. I kind of like the idea of Pro Bowl has all the skills stuff and all that fun. And if you're doing flag as well, kind of non-contact, you can incorporate that into like a Saturday day of skills yeah. for the Sunday AFC and NFC Championship game. It would almost be like having... In the NBA, you have Saturday skills night, Sunday all-star game. Mm. It would make the Pro Bowl a bit more like that. It would be like the precursor to the last three games, basically, of the NFL season. Yeah. And I kind of think it would work because we will have got used to that Saturday football as well, particularly with college football out of the way at that point. That's all going to finish off on the uh, 10th, I think it is, of January with the Monday night. TCU. Yeah, um, TCU against uh, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Mm. So that'll all finish up by then easily mm -hmm. and we'll have had playoff football Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. So why not kind of keep that rhythm if you're the NFL of Saturday mm -hmm. and Sunday, keep that whole weekend being all about your sport and nothing else? I'm with you. I actually really like it. I like the idea quite a lot because, again, it brings where the Pro Bowl has had a decline in the viewers, the attention. No one really cares for it, if I'm honest. Mm. I think doing it this way. It's the first time we're going to have, I guess, a different a different change in the scheme, being that it's more flag and more skills based, and then you follow that up with the Sunday, you know, bang, here's here's, here's the game. I'm I'm really for it. I really love that idea. Um, I'm sure by the time I jump off this and have a look again on Twitter, that's probably circulating too. But I actually really like it. I really do like it. And like you say, if they do go that go down that road, it might be something that they end up sticking with. You know, um, I like it. I'm I'm all for that because it's it's also interesting as well because you get that. Um... The situation we got at the moment is the Chiefs are playing on Saturday night. Yeah, they are week. actually. Yeah. And if they lose, then it opens up the door for the Bills or the Bengals to potentially have that number one seed. Seed, yeah. Depending on what happens in their game, so you, so you can imagine like, and again, NFL execs are like kind of rolling the dice here of just Chiefs just win, win on Saturday <laughs> night. It makes yeah. life easier for everybody. We can then cancel the game. We can do a proper kind of look. We're not going to have bother with the game. We'll call it a tie. Both these teams are going to be in the playoffs. It's going to be weird. There'll be an asterisk against this year, but let's have that. Mm. If the Chiefs lose, big can of worms and then more discussions with everybody in the suits behind the scenes about what actually mm. happens with the playoffs and everything. So it's... It's the Raiders, uh, right? Uh, yeah, City. yeah, Chiefs Raiders on Saturday night. Jarrett Stidham, who um, wasn't too bad apart from the three interceptions. He looked all right. <laughs> I, I, I dread to think what car... Yeah, 
I dread to think what Carr um, was thinking when you know he was sitting in that rock and hitting the open Devontae Adams and everything like that. I don't know, man. That was a strange. I'm happy for Jarrett, and I'm just thinking Derek Carr had left. He's left. I think he left Vegas. I um, followed him on Instagram or whatever else it was. But that relationship seems to have soured quite badly. Um, Important for Stidham and Devontae as well, considering there's a lot to talk yeah. about Devontae walking out with Carr, being mm. like BFFs from college and everything. And yeah. then I wonder if Devontae sees some of those catches coming his way. He's like, oh, I could I could stick around, actually. Like, well, I could, I could you stick know, this out. The NFL, you know, like we say, not for long. So I'm not sure he's... I think Devontae's 30 now or pushing 30. A lot of the great receivers are actually... I was having this conversation with someone the other day and a lot of the guys that we love to watch are hitting that mark where they're 28, 29, 30, 31. Um, it won't be long before they, you know, they hit that peak of if they're not already there and start to slowly come down. Same way we've, you know, I, I've... Something I've said to myself before, we've we've had the QB changeover period. Mm. No Big Ben, no Drew, no Manning brothers. It's all very different now, you know. You've got the guys coming up from college um, in this year's draft, which everyone's so hyped about. In particular, myself being a Colts fan. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't matter say, which quarterback you put in there. We've seen this. No, it doesn't. Just give me someone other than Matt Ryan. Um, Dude, it's Nick not even Foles. Matt Ryan's fault. Like, no, it, no. But I want someone who's mobile. Line? Just get an no, no, offensive no. line. I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. I agree with you. We've overnight we've just decimated our our, our line for whatever reason. But I want someone who's at least mobile and isn't just going to fumble the ball at every given opportunity. Man, Matt Ryan was you know he's, he's he was great. He's had his time. Not great for us, but he was great over his career. Unfortunately, he's on the back end of some horrible comebacks. One being Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and the other, whilst he wore the blue and white uniform for my Indianapolis Colts, with now the NFL's leading historic comeback of all time against the Minnesota Vikings and you know that's got to hurt but out with the old in with the new I think we have the chance to climb up to number four I think at the highest we can drop no lower than sixth so look so long as Ballard um Saturday I don't think will be there much longer but Ballard and, and Jim said so long as they do the right thing no more QB carousel go and pick the quarterback and let's build around there no more playing games us Colts fans have been so quiet and humbled and oh yeah, we're not we're not Bills fans, we don't hype, we're not Eagles fans, we don't start trouble. That's what that's that's <laughs> what I hear. Go. Just you saying having a go. Just saying, you just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and um it's time, you know, to flip that flip the script. There's enough of this QB carousel, new QB every single season. Um, and let's actually get something going here, man, because you know, we've got a stud like JT. And I'm kind of glad he's, you know, not playing anymore because, well, for the rest of the season, because there's no, what is it? What's the point? We're 4 11 and 1 or whatever it is, mm. playing against Houston coming up. There I say it. I think we need Houston, we need to lose to Houston and we need, I forget what the other game is, um, who we have, who, who else we need to win their game. And it, it could happen. It could well, it could well happen. And then we think we climb up to fourth, which I will take all day, every day. Oh, I can't believe you're saying climb up to fourth rather than yeah. drop down dropping down to fourth in the draft come on oh man. you yeah you know what i mean you know yeah, what i mean you, i know but this, you is, guys this is this is the losing season mentality of yo yeah man think how many games we can tank before the end of the season think how high Look, we can get on that draft it's a it's a done deal we're a lost team we're a lost franchise i do think we need a bit of a cleanup shot because it's been this way for so long trust ballard and all that he's yeah he's a smart businessman doesn't like spending money he likes to try and get guys on the cheap but look what it's done for us you know i mean we haven't done anything great this season um we've had some flashes from some players but it's time to fully move on um in my opinion and even if it means getting ballard out the door i'm I'm actually down for that now i've kind of had enough um can't be wasting the talent in guys like uh, um 
Jonathan Taylor is just not fair. Um, yeah. But no, he doesn't deserve this. Shaq Leonard, he doesn't deserve this. You know, some guys are all their asses off. Like Stefan Gilmore has won games for us on his own, and this is his first season with us. So it's not fair. Defense really have done us, have, have balled out. I know they obviously basically, you know, <laughs> took that mauling to the Vikings offense, but. They balled yeah. out until they conceded 36 straight. Yes, and then, yeah. horrible. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was too good to be true. I think you messaged me, right? We were messaging at one point, I uh, think. Briefly in that in that evening, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was... And uh, then it just turned to shit, so... I, I, honestly, because I've never disliked the Colts. Like, I always respected the Manning era, um, whether it was like... It made it the most irritating team to play on a Madden game when I was growing up because every time you called a play and then they simulate what Peyton does, which is changing yeah. the play at the line all the yeah. time. Um, and all that kind of stuff. But I always always respected that Colts team. I always loved Edron James, obviously oh, Robert Harrison and everyone, like Reggie Wayne. Reggie, uh, Freeney. Dallas you know. Clark. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just a great team to watch. Glad they got their Super Bowl and got their ring eventually and everything. Mm-hmm. And this has been like a quite a likable team over the last few years, particularly with Andrew Luck as like the real Mr. Good Guy. And then... Luck leaves and the whole operation has gone into disarray. And honestly, Jeff Saturday coming back would have been better playing on the offensive line this year rather than as a head coach. <laughs> I mean, and you're I know right. you were, I know you're having a go at like we're well, not having a go, but like saying, you know, Matt Ryan didn't perform. Matt Ryan has had probably three of the worst offensive lines in the NFL in the last three years. Correct. And if anybody is bringing him into a building, you cannot not know that Matt Ryan is a pocket quarterback with Correct. almost zero speed and mobility. Correct. So if you're expecting, and let's face it, that's what the Colts did with Philip Rivers as well. Mm-hmm. You were bringing in a veteran pocket quarterback. So you have to have had the idea of building the line rather than anything else and making sure that line can hold. And if it can't hold, then you've got problems. And it, it, it irked me. When and I'm not saying this against you at all, but against no, Colts, Colts fans in general, when they were like, "Oh, look at this! Is what Atlanta fans were talking about? Matt Ryan, he's <laughs> rubbish. He's rubbish." It's like, dude, the guy's got like maybe a second and a half, two seconds to get the ball out, which mm-hmm. even for an Aaron Rodgers is a short amount of time. Like, that's not a lot at all. This is not a quarterback issue in Indianapolis. This is an organizational issue, and it is, as you say, a rebuilding issue at this point. It just depends how far you need to rebuild and whether you end up actually in a more depressing line, I guess, whether you end up during, well, look at like Corey Dillon at the Cincinnati Bengals back yeah, in the day. Man. Exceptional talent wasted in a team that wasn't very good and probably had his mm. best days behind one of the worst teams and worst offensive lines in the NFL. And if you're rebuilding, that's a Jonathan Taylor that will just never be perhaps what we think he can be aside from maybe the last year or so. Uh, and this is why previous. I'm so this is why I'm so frustrated because we saw what Jonathan Taylor could do last season mm. when our O line actually held their own. And yeah, I probably would I would have t- I would have taken Wentz back actually because <laughs> he offered some mobility. Yes, he threw three TDs when he came in in place for Taylor Heineke on the weekend. Um, but and again, I, I, you're not wrong. It's an organization issue from top down, um, and the O line. Clearly, just couldn't get it together. Whether it's Bernard Raymond or Will Fries, there was a lot of issues on that O line, and we just couldn't get it together. And they know that. You bring in Jeff Saturday, who's you know a, a, an O line guy himself, and he knows what what is that what that's all about. But it, unfortunately, you know, for a guy like Matt Ryan, who is a pocket passer, 
And in the games where we did hold our own, you could see how effective Matt Ryan was when he's in the pocket, no pressure, and he's able to get the ball out. Um, he just, you know, can't be trusted to run the ball. He's not that guy. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm just fed up of getting a new quarterback every single season. Naeem Hines said it before he swiftly departed over to the Bills. He was like, look at the Tennessee Titans. They've had Tannehill for a while. They know that they know the snap count. They know the chemistry. They have the relationship. They don't need to, you know, question things or go over things every season. We sit over here as a huge, supposedly AFC South rival, and we can never seem to beat them because they just stick it on us every season. And every season we're having to learn new schemes, new chemi- um new cadence, new chemistry, building a relationship with the quarterback. He needs to build chemistry with the wide receivers to let him know where the ball placement wants, where they want their ball placement. Mm-hmm. It's just not how you run a franchise. It isn't. You need the continuity, the relationship, the chemistry, and you cannot have that if you have a different quarterback every single season. Um, and that so, is yeah, the most important position to have chemistry in. I mean, chemistry on the yeah. offense in general, but mm-hmm. a quarterback and receiver, a quarterback in the O-line, it doesn't get more important than that. And a quarterback and the running back, for instance. I mean, if you've got a guy yeah. that can't even hand it off uh, and struggles to have the chemistry of whether they want it in their gut or whether they want it looser or whether they want to yeah. strip it out of your hands, like all of those tiny, I mean, as you'll know, as a running back, like mm-hmm. different QBs and different running backs hand the ball in different ways. I mean, if you're doing that, as you say, every single year, it's not impossible to get any sort of consistency with the results and the performances you're putting on the field if there's no consistency in the people that you're dealing with, yeah. Massively. It's these. It's the finer details, like you say. When I played the sport and the different quarterbacks I played with, when I play with the same, the same quarterback season in, season out, honestly, it's like clockwork. You know exactly what they want you to do. If they're in a pickle, you know what they want you to do. You just do it automatically because you know them. When it's someone new, honestly, it makes a massive, massive difference. And that's just at a UK level. Mm. We're talking about the NFL. You know, you make one play up and your DMs are blowing up and people are trying to attack you. It's just, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But I think it's just time. We move on as a Colts fan, as a Colts fan, as a, a Colts oper- operation, a fan base, an organization. I think the fans deserve so much better. Um, Jim Irsay, you know, he 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 concerns me at times. Um with his cryptic tweet. I mean, it, all off-season, it was all this trash, I want to say, about being all-in and have, being fed up of the Tennessee Titans um, dunking on us every season and it's going to change, it's going to turn around. Then it was the Baker Mayfield talk and I kind of accepted it because I didn't know what else to do. Then it was the Derek Carr <laughs> talk and it was like, all right, I love Derek Carr too. And then it spread to Matt Ryan. And at that point, I was like, okay, I'll take I'll take Matt Ryan. I don't know if it's because if not being a Colts fan, I'd be a Falcons fan because I was a big fan of the, the Falcons era with Tony Gonzalez, Devontae Freeman, obviously Julio. I loved everything they did. Even You're Steve allowed Jackson. to say Michael Vick, by the way. No Michael Vick, no, 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 Michael Vick, no, 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 Michael Vick too. But I just liked that particular era. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. It's time to, well, here's here's something I want to I ask you. I don't know what you were planning to ask next, but on a slight segue, I've been having loads of conversations with people about Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. On the theme of quarterbacks, obviously he didn't sign. He didn't sign a deal. Um, I believe his mum is his not so much agent, but I think she looks after his funds and she represents him in, in some kind of way, shape, or form. And the, 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 I guess the the threat of him not signing was injury, because essentially, if you want the big money that he was after, the Ravens organization, I suppose, want to see. I guess that you're worth it. Now, I don't know if. And I, after having, I did an episode with Jeff, um, Jeff Reinbold, and he kind of made me see the light a little bit. Because initially, I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't know if the Ravens have have done enough to try and some support Lamar with what he needs to to bring the best out of him. Um, and then I realized, 
the Ravens have cloned their entire offense down to their backup to even replicate Lamar Jackson just because that they've sold into that style of play. And it made me realize, actually, I suppose they have committed. Yes, you've got Mark Andrews, and he's his number one safety blanket at the tight end. They tried things with Hollywood Brown, didn't work out. He's obviously gone to the Cardinals. Um, they had Sammy Watkins. Has Sammy Watkins gone back there, I think. Sammy Watkins has gone from the, the, from the Packers to the. He's gone for yeah. There you go. Gone from the Packers to the to the Ravens. You've got Marcus Robinson, who's a vet wide receiver. Duvernay couldn't stay healthy. Um, Rashard Bateman couldn't stay healthy, and it's just. I just feel for the guy and I'm wondering to myself now, does he stay at the Ravens or does he go elsewhere? And if you think he goes elsewhere, where would you think he should go? Okay, so I will always preface this sort of thing with what Jim Mora Jr. did in Atlanta in that year was the completely Mm. wrong way to design an offense around a mobile quarterback. And I would argue that the Baltimore Ravens have made a similar sort of mistake maybe to what Jim Mora Jr. did of basing it around Lamar's running game. Mm-hmm. Now, if I if I was Lamar Jackson, I would probably want to end up somewhere for the good of my the longevity of my career at a team that, I'm not saying it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, but a team that has somebody like a Doug Peterson who has shown that he can do very good things with quarterbacks and mould them into being good passers particularly from the pocket we've seen that slowly evolve this year with Trevor Lawrence for instance whether there are enough good minds at bad teams for Lamar Jackson to go somewhere where they won't get excited about mobility because at the end of the day look Lamar's not healthy again that's two seasons now in a row where exactly suddenly he's been bumped out of a year and you can't be getting bumped out of a season at this point in a season. Maybe early mm-hmm. on in the season, all right, we'll take those a knock, you're back for the playoffs. We can't be losing our starting quarterback going into the playoffs, not at all. So either you have a new head coach in Baltimore or you have a new ethos on get Lamar to throw more from the pocket and work the mobility angle as a secondary angle, which I always think is the way to go with a quarterback in the NFL. It's not college. It's not you know, a 21-year-old third year dunking on 18 year old corners like mm. these are people like bobby wagner be coming off the inside linebacker position and destroying you once you get <laughs> to the line of scrimmage it's not yep. going to be pretty where he would go i mean you need someone with a lot of money and a lot of room yep i mean if the dolphins if, if the dolphins oh. could get rid of tour and put lamar in that would be a better dolphins team by a long way and would look way more like a Super Bowl contender, particularly after what we've seen from Tua in mm-hmm. the back end okay. of this year. That's very interesting. Two things on that one. Um, so I remember, again, I think Jeff as well, he mentioned something about Lamar is actually quite a decent deep ball guy, except okay. once Bateman was out and Duvernay was out, there is nobody to throw the ball to downfield. You don't have the guy who can take the top off the defenses, take the top off the cover too, and, you know, create some distraction somewhere else which essentially leads to him running the ball because at the start of the season, I believe he had quite a few, I think a majority of his touchdowns came from his arm um, at the beginning of the season. I remember seeing those and thinking to myself, wow, he's he's shutting up a lot of the haters who who said he couldn't throw the ball, who couldn't pass the ball. Um, so I, 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 get that, I get that stance because obviously we know what he can do on the ground. Doing that comes with a lot of risk and lo and behold, he's now injured again. Um, one of the things that Jeff also mentioned to me was the fact that they've got their one. Well, J.K. Dobbins, I believe, is back. 
Um, I don't know about Gus Edwards. Again, they've been quite unlike. They, they seem to just always be banged up. That team, yeah. I don't know what it is. That AFC North. I mean, the Ravens just. I don't know. I don't know what is going on, but they just cannot stay healthy for whatever reason, and that goes all the way down to Tim Lamar Jackson. Um, but there was some talk about obviously Lamar will be back at some point, and it's hopefully going to. You know, they're in the postseason. They want him back for the playoffs. Maybe they get Duvernail Bateman back. I can't remember which one of them was on IR for long term, so maybe not. But that's why they bring in Sammy Watkins because they need cover there. So you've got Watkins, you've got Robinson, who's a vet. You've got um, Isaiah Likely, the tight end, who does well. He's a big-bodied guy, quite athletic. And obviously, you've got Andrews too. And there's a talk about, you know, giving them the, the playoff push. Um, because playoff football is all about being healthy. If your squad is healthy, you have all the chance in the world. If you're not, if you don't have, you know, guys who are healthy enough to play, you can kind of forget it. Look at Patrick Mahomes when he plays against the Bucks with his turf toe. He was, he couldn't do anything. Mm. Um, but my second point is a flip. Um, and a kind of a segue to the to the Miami Dolphins. Um, the two are hype prior to the seat one. Well, no, let's say not not hype. The two are I'm going to say disrespect. Um, prior to the start of the season was very 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 loud to the point where Tua was even questioning himself whether he thinks whether he thought he'd be able to perform. And I do think it's fair to say he did perform. He did really well. And I think I, I forget what some of the stats were now that he's done for the season, but he's tied first or second in quite a few categories. They have fallen off a cliff. Um, I was out there saying I thought they, they'll be able to go all the way to the Super Bowl. There um, was a point. There was a point. There was a point. They looked like they were actually quite a scary t- side mm-hmm. that could take the top off anybody. And that waddle underneath with Hill over the top is going to give mm. you an advantage somewhere in that in that open field if you can give two of the time and if yeah. he can throw the deep ball. <laughs> yeah. but So there you go. That's my question. So... The if so, do you think that Tua still isn't capable of is it just the deep ball in particular, or do you think he's just not a great quarterback, or he's just not well suited to the to the Dolphins in particular? I think Tua has shown us that he can play in the NFL, but I think we've also seen now his ceiling because given oh, wow, ceiling, hmm. given the talent, well, maybe not his, his ceiling might be harsh because obviously players can develop, but where he is right now, we you won't get more out of Tua until he improves his individual game than what we've seen this year. And I also think that he was chirping on, right, about certain deep balls throughout this season that were short and underthrown or inaccurate. And it was the athleticism and the reactions of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on a number of those that were getting him out of jail. And then he's kind of like, see, look at me, I can throw a deep ball which shows to me that you've still got that chip on your shoulder as well and you're not getting rid of it however well you play. I also think Tua's decision-making still wasn't great in certain points. I would love to for it to be a case, not because I like the Dolphins in any way, but I'd love it to be a case that the fragility and the sometimes poor decision-making we've seen towards the end of this season with Tua is because of how banged up he's been. Because let's not forget, like week five, week four, we yeah. were asking, you know, is this guy going to be able to play again at all this season, considering what we saw in some of those hits and the concussion he had against the Bengals. Mm. So I would hope that maybe the ineptitude we've seen from him on occasion down the stretch is maybe just because he's not healthy yet. But I still am not in on Tua Tonga Vailoa. I am still always in on the idea that a great player in certain positions on an offense, in the same way. Stefan Diggs elevated Josh Allen massively. Josh Allen has made more steps to improve himself, but Stefan Diggs, when Allen was still raw, took Josh Allen to another level. And I think we've seen Tyreek Hill's impact on that team 
take the Dolphins to another level. And Mike McDaniels as well. Mike McDaniels is creating in Miami what Carl Shanahan's created in San Francisco. He's trying to create a quarterback-proof system where because they don't use Tua's legs very often. They don't run no. him that often or anything like that. The hits he's taken that have been bad have mainly come from him standing in the pocket and being slow to release at times. So I think... I think you could, that's why I think a Lamar would be really fun to put him in there instead, because I think he's probably got a stronger, better arm, which works well with Hill. And I think McDaniels wouldn't base a system around Lamar's running game. I think he would be smart enough to base a system around, this is our system, use your legs if you need to, which I always think is way more dangerous when a quarterback does that compared to when a quarterback is designed to be mobile, because that doesn't last for long enough. And the longevity of Lamar's career and his career deals that he's going to be offered, I think, will probably show that. Because there are going to be a lot of NFL franchises that will look at him as a free agent and go, you are an MVP, but two seasons now without being healthy. Yeah. Where Where is the line of your season for us coming up this year if we play you as a running quarterback? Yeah. Uh, and and it, was think, inter- it was interesting. We, um, we spoke about this last week with Dre. And he kind of mentioned something of people like Tua and like Lamar, because they're still chirping about like the negative press that they've had, it it continues to feed that fire almost. Like Lamar still kind of makes the odd thing about, oh, not bad for a running back or, oh, yeah, just a running quarterback and all this kind of thing. And it's like, dude, you had a good game. Great. But like, just get on and play. And for me, as a as an Eagles fan, and I gave Hurts more crap than anybody else going mm. into this season. I was more negative than any of you guys on the uh, on the podcast yeah. with Verge and everything. And like, he not once has he gone like, "See, I can throw accurately" or anything like that. He's just stood there in press conferences and been that like boring cliche quarterback that you kind of want as an owner and as a fan. Like, unless you're Joe Burrow and can bring that swagger without being like massively douchey and arrogant. Mm-hmm. You kind of just want the guy that just stands up there and says, Hey, look, we're going to go out there. We're going to improve on this. We're going to get better at this, blah, blah, boom. Let the wide receivers corners, let, let the linebackers, let your offensive line be the fun guys that like get a bit crazy and starting quarterback. Nah, just get down, do the job, get out of there, go home onto the next one. Like kind of all good head coaches as well. Um, and, and I still, again, that's a, that's an attitude thing with Lamar that I'm a bit like, you're still carrying that chip and I'm not mm-hmm. sure you necessarily should considering what you've accomplished already. So it's obviously still kind of playing on you a bit too. Yeah. I think it's, it's hard to not because those guys in particular, they get so much stick mm. for, for, for playing the type of play that they do and being the style of quarterback that they are. But something that I was going to mention before I flipped the script was, um, Deshaun Watson, I dare to say his name. Obviously, he got that ridiculous <laughs> that ridiculous contract. And now, NFL owners have pretty much decided they don't want to give that kind of contract to anybody. Mm. And that's, I guess, what Lamar kind of wanted. So I think the, the Sean Watson contract has kind of set a benchmark, which for them or for owners and, and general managers and whatever, they don't want to do that again. And I know Lamar wanted, he wanted the big paycheck, he wanted the bag, and um, I suppose rightly so. But now that they've seen... And yes, it's only his first season back. You know, he's he's going to be rusty. This is Watson, obviously, after not playing for however long. But being able to give that kind of... Con- I mean, it's insane when you think about it. It's absolutely insane to give him that kind of money based off of what, like, really? Was it like 300 um, million guaranteed? 
it was something stupid. Uh, bear, bear in mind, he didn't actually want to go to the Browns in the first place. Yeah, he had he had already turned them down, except the money came calling this time around, um, and it necessarily hasn't necessarily done anything for the franchise. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think he's going to find it hard to to get the money he's after now. Um, again, in particular because this is another season where he'd been injured. Unless, unless. He turns it around, comes back for playoff football, and magic happens. Then we can maybe open that door again. But until then, I think it's going to be slightly difficult. And that was one of the fears that I had if he did get injured or if for whatever reason his weapons have gone down and now he can't really perform like he should. But a completely different question here for you. How are you guys going to do without Lane Johnson? Because you don't do very well without him. Yeah, it's not not ideal. I thought we were going to avoid the Eagles. No, 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 no. (laughs) The thing is, right, I'm a Colts fan. I can't really say anything, but because I'm a Colts fan, I can say everything because there's nothing left. (laughs) There's no dog in the fight, so you might as well fight everyone. (laughs) There is nothing left. So, um, and again, coming back to Jeff, we had this conversation too, and um, a few things I didn't realise. But Lane Johnson, I think Miles Sanders is still a bit banged up, and obviously Jalen Hurts himself, whether they're just saving them because they don't necessarily need him, but then you've lost two games in a row with... um, uh, Gardner Minshew, who's not awful, but you know things just didn't go didn't go the Eagles' way. But Lane Johnson, I think the stat without him, you've lost like eleven of nineteen games. I don't know something crazy like that. They're like twenty one and four without Lane Johnson, or something stupid like that, or with and without Lane Johnson, or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's mental. So I mean, I don't know. I think it's an abdominal tear, and he's decided to put off surgery to try and play now. I don't know how wise that is. We know about NFL and being a tough guy and trying to trying to stick it out doesn't always end up the right way. So my question is, is Lane Johnson being out enough to derail the rest of your season? I don't think so, despite how good Lane Johnson is. That offensive line is, at full fitness, has been incredible this year, particularly yep. with dealing with the style of offense that the Eagles play, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. The kind of behind-the-line uh, behind decision-making of on the RPOs, um, I mean, there was a funny one this week where I guess Kelsey had got the wrong call or something because he was 15 yards downfield blocking a linebacker yeah, yeah, as yeah. Uh, Minshew's throwing out to the flats in the sideline to Sanders and the gate's like a big gain. But I, I still think because the whole of that offensive line is so strong, sure, you'd love to run it behind Elaine Johnson and definitely you'd rather have that sort of protection uh, for any quarterback, let alone a, a Hurts that's got a banged up shoulder at the moment. But because mm. I think that line is good enough to be able to carry through player football without it if it has Jalen Hurts. I think you need to have one or the other. You need to mm-hmm. either have Minshew with that full line or you have Jalen Hurts and the mobility comes back in that then creates the ability to take the pressure off that offensive line of the absence of Lane Johnson. Um, but it isn't great. How is Jalen Hurts? I'm not, I'm not too sure what the latest was. So he's back practicing this week. He was really close to go last week. That was the thing. And they were like, you know what? We don't have to play him. And yep. I'm a firm believer if that BS holding call on Landon Dixon oh, wipes off the yeah. game well touchdown doesn't I, yeah, get yeah. called. Yeah. And that is genuinely criminal. And it pleased me so much that the Fox guys were like, I hate it when referees just see a guy going down like that and they haven't seen the whole play. That was awful. It's one of the worst. He basically got pancakes and that's what happens. You you get inside the shoulder pads, you grab the shoulder pads and you drive. You drive them so hard that they fall backwards into the ground. 
It's never holding in a million years. And I'll sit there and say that until, you know, the cows come home. So that is really shocking, to be fair. Very and, shocking. And that touchdown came at a time when it was like momentum still coming with the Eagles. And you're like, right, touchdown, brilliant. We are right back in this game suddenly. We're only, you know, six points down or whatever it was at that point. And then everything after that, again, the Eagles made another good charge, got back into that game, and then it slowed down properly. And mm. that's when you were like, now we're missing Hurts because you don't trust Minshew to keep scoring in the same way against Dallas, even though the Eagles continue to score. I don't trust Minshew to be the guy that goes toe-to-toe in a non-stop slugfest. I don't tr- mm. trust him to be the guy that is going to get out of danger when that Saints defensive line is coming for him in that same way. Hurts, mm. on the other hand, should. I think they rested him last week with the hope that worst comes to worst, he will then be fully fit for the Giants and then have another week off if they can go out and beat the Giants. And maybe, just maybe, the Giants then securing the playoffs last week with the win against the Colts could be hugely beneficial. Mm. It depends what kind of a guy Brian Darbol is. If he goes, no, we want to take blood in the NFC East and make sure you're going through the wild card as well. Or does he go, right, I'm going to rest up everybody because this is a Giants team that needs to rest to go to the playoffs. I mean, if I was the Giants, I'd be resting Saquon without a doubt. If he doesn't need to play, Mm -hmm. you do not put him in the game whatsoever. Probably the same with Daniel Jones as well, because you don't want to lose your starting quarterback. And considering Mm -hmm. how beaten up that Giants team has been all year, I would have said the smart man takes the majority of the starters out of the game, maybe gives them a drive or two. Brian Darbell, on the other hand, is the hoorah coach. Yeah. It doesn't seem in his nature. Yeah. Mm. Well... On that, on, that, on that note, two more things for me before before I shoot. Here's this. So they are resting, guys, because I think about an hour ago, I saw that they're planning to rest a lot of their starters. So there's some information for you if you didn't already know that. That's a... <laughs> yeah, there's that one. Um, and number two, if you are the Seahawks and the Lions, I think the Seahawks have the number three pick, courtesy of, I forget who it was, the Broncos or something. Um, and the Lions, I think, are top six. Yeah, do you not remember the Broncos mortgaged the whole Oh, their whole the future, <laughs> everything, everything. George Payton, general manager, I, did, I actually did a little video on that today. I'm going to drop it later in the week. He used to blame for everything, but more on that later. Um, have Geno Smith and um, Jared Goff, bearing in mind, you don't always have to be the Pat Mahomes. You don't have to be the Josh Allen. you just got to be efficient and look after the ball. Let your weapons and your defense take care of things for you. Have those two guys done enough for their teams to not pick a quarterback in this draft? Bearing in mind, the quarterbacks in this draft, you know, there's a lot of hype, a lot of talk about them being guys for the future. But what's your take on that? I think both of them will will be starting next year. I wouldn't necessarily say that the Detroit Lions or the Seattle Seahawks will avoid taking a quarterback. I think what, again, this is one of my things that I'll always kind of stick by of not just chucking in rookie quarterbacks in a first season unless you really have to yeah always like to see a guy maybe sit for a bit like compared what we saw with uh, Bryce Love when he came in this season when Rodgers dropped out of a game he came for a fourth quarter against the Eagles and actually threw some pretty decent balls got a couple of Mm -hmm. touchdowns and you're like oh okay maybe there's going to be a bit of QB controversy in Green Bay compared to what we saw in his rookie year when he came in for a couple of games towards the end of the season late on and you were like oh this is ugly you can learn as a backup quarterback so much. I still think Pat Mahomes has is a shining light of that. In the same way, back to the guaranteed money thing, you can look at Pat Mahomes as the only shining light of huge big contracts with quarterbacks that are worth that amount of money. Mm-hmm. Sitting a guy for a year is not a bad thing at all. Having that in your back pocket, a great QB out of college, 
and also having a QB that has performed so well the previous season and you say, look, you've got this year. This guy's here. We, we're going to build him up. He is a future. If you show us that you can get us in playoff football and give us competitive football in the playoffs, we don't need to go to this guy. And you've shown us that you can play football to this level. Now what can, can you do next year? Because the NFL is a mm. what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Geno Smith has eight bad games next year. Nobody's going, oh, do you not remember that Geno Smith season of 2022? Everyone's going, oh, Geno Smith's back. That's terrible. Yeah, Same with Jared yeah. Goff. They've got priors of not being great in big moments. So I, I would definitely say they've done enough to warrant having a starting job next year at their franchises. I just don't think... This is the horrible, like, players versus the business of a game. Yeah. And the business is, as an owner, if you can get a great young quarterback on one of those cheap rookie deals, you have that in your back pocket. And then it's mm -hmm. there if you need to use it. Or if it's good enough to be used straight away, it's a potential franchise game changer like a Justin Herbert. But Oh, hold on. I believe we have some breaking news. Get that drum roll. All right, basically... Um... Buffalo-Cincinnati game is cancelled and what it means for the NFL schedule. Now, I think we kind of knew it wasn't going to happen, I, I guess, but this is the official. If they meet again, it'll be in the playoffs. They've cancelled it altogether. Um, I don't know. You might have some more information before me. I'm just reading it here now. I'm just trying Still to deciding them what changes they're going to make to the postseason. Um, they've declared it a no contest. Um, the league guaranteed Cincinnati a home playoff game. The Bengals are AFC North champions as the Ravens cannot catch them in standings, even with a win against Cincinnati in week 18. The Bengals will be the AFC's number two or three seed. The Ravens will be number five or six. So the decision also means that Kansas City Chiefs can clinch a conference number one seed, which is what we mentioned earlier, if they beat the Raiders. So there's, I guess there's every, for, for people playing fantasy football and all that, you're going to start your starters because you, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to want to win and get the number one seed. Mm. Both the Bengals and the Bills had a chance to claim, obviously, home for the advantage had they won their final two games. And Cincinnati also needed Kansas to lose Saturday's game for the number one seed. There's a lot of information here, but the Bills obviously had to had to control its own destiny. So, oh man, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of information, but essentially, been cancelled. Um, and it is a clear competitive disadvantage for the Bills that has already been through so much this year. Two snowstorms, significant disruptions to the season, and obviously they've had the the, the um, traumatic injury to um, Hamlin. Fingers crossed that we said he's, he's on he's on the up. Um, the last word here is about the speculation about what's next. Um, the regular season schedule is locked in. Doesn't mean the postseason schedule won't change. I think like you kind of mentioned there, NFL's looking at ways to restore the competitive fairness that was lost by lost by the decision to cancel the game. Um, looking at potential changes, potential seedings and schedule, and it's got to be approved by the NFLPA. And if the NFL talk is accurate, they're thinking outside of the box. Everything from adding an oh, from adding an eighth team to the field to hosting Whoa. the conference championship. Jesus. Adding an eighth team to the no. field to host in the conference championship game on a neutral field, which if the game involves two of the Bengals. Yeah, I heard oh, about wow. this. I heard about the idea of uh, the conference championship if it involves either the Bengals or the or the Bills. Yeah. That they would the... move it to a neutral ground because they haven't had the chance to compete, to have the mm -hmm. number one seed and have the home field advantage. Adding an eighth team in. That's, I've, so there's I've not no heard of that. bye week then. That's what I was going to say. So 
So that it one kind of threw me a little bit. Whether the Chiefs win or not on the Saturday. So then, so then, so then, how does that? that, that, that that's, I find that strange because the Chiefs and Andy Reid, etc., are going to want to know because if they need to go for that number one seed, Kelsey McKinnon, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, they're going to play these guys because they yeah. want that number one seed. But if you're talking about adding an eighth team, then why does it matter? Yeah, you're either going to play a seventh or eighth seed. You're going to be the one of the top two in the conference mm. so also wow you are changing the playoff format at a last minute's notice and don't get me wrong the nfl will never ever remove teams from the playoffs i think once they've put an eighth game in because they're just going mm. right we've got another game of wild card football to come which will go on tv yep. which will get a bigger audience but that yep. then negates so much of the pre of the, the regular previous, season yeah yeah like what's the point in teams trying to get a number one seed if you don't get a buy anymore oh great you play yeah, the that's eighth strange seed. that is strange um Everything from adding an eighth team to the field to hosting the conference championship on a neutral field involving two of the Bengals, Bills, or Chiefs. Wow, that is um well. So not to say on that one, a lot of teams will probably be thinking, like you've just said, what you know, if you're gonna add an eighth team, it kind of just negates everything. Again, it's, it doesn't it's, matter it's, what the Eagles do this week, like and it would that only yeah, be yeah, to yeah. The, would that only be to the AFC? Or would the NFC have to then have an eighth team as well? Wow, I'm gonna try and find a bit more. I mean Forget where what my point was earlier. I guess it was about Gino and and um. Gino, and I, the reason I, job. <laughs> I asked that question for Gino and and Goff just because obviously it affects where the Colts what they do with their picks. If all if you know Houston taking QB, if the Lions and the Lions and the Seahawks do too, maybe we end up with Will Lev, uh, Levis that people are talking about. But yeah, a bit of breaking news there. Um, was that the press live. release that just came through? Yeah, that was um Pro Football Focus. Oh no, Pro Football Network. I'm just having a look at official nfl right now it's not on there at all just no it's not it isn't hamlin yeah. remarkable improvement mm, that's interesting and rap yeah, sheet's not just... even had it either on twitter i started scanning around bills nfl rap sheet it's not there at all which mm. is interesting um yeah that's that's that is strange I've not no there's nothing else that's come up no but i i, I normally everything else comes up a bit quicker than that let me see if anything else let's have a quick uh if Rap Sheet and Schefter don't have it. And you normally, I mean, yeah, would. Strange. Very strange. Yeah, no, I've just, oh no, hold on. Let me just have another look real quick. No, Schefter's thing up. 33 minutes ago is the last one that Derek Henry has been uh, removed from the injury port and they're all ready to play in Saturday's AFC South deciding game against the Jags. Oh yeah, we mm. haven't even talked about the Jags against the Titans and it's funny you mentioned Naheem Hines and like, oh, you know, we get dunked on by the Titans. Isn't that terrible? Well, it's even more terrible <laughs> when the Titans are dunking on themselves for the back yep. end of the season and yep. throwing away an easy division. I know, I know. Unbelievable. Just quickly, by uh, the way, I wanted to ask you about strange. the contract one. Uh, yes. You were talking about Lamar. So, Kirk Cousins... And uh, Deshaun, disgusting Watson, both got their <laughs> their big money deals, guaranteed contracts. And I think a lot of people would look at the Cousins one as well and said that was another one that put owners off guaranteed mm-hmm. money and really big guaranteed money for for QBs. And Mahomes is the only one to kind of really get one of those big deals and is living up to it for sure. Mm-hmm. Is Lamar Jackson therefore? Watson got it probably unfairly. Cousins got it because of the timing that he was in with it with the Vikings. Is Lamar Jackson worth that sort of money to a team? Um, I'm going to say yes, purely because unlike Kirk Cousins, 
Lamar can win a game off his own back. He can single-handedly take over games like we've seen him do before, with or without weapons, off his own back. If it means mm. he's got to run the ball on his own with eight-man boxes or whatever you want to do, he's capable of winning that. Otherwise, I would say no, but purely because of his 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 ability, his skill, his um his extreme ability to, to, to be agile and 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 literally just single-handedly take over games which uh cousins cannot do he cannot do that yeah. it's not his you know and i think i think his deal was 100 million some time ago now fully yeah, guaranteed I mean, it was a long way back but yeah and it was the first of its kind right first ever uh, fully first ever guaranteed fully contract. guaranteed yeah so I'm, I'm gonna say yes just because when you have that level of play in your locker where it almost, I mean, look at their, their their team has been decimated once again, from receivers all the way down to their running back, um, defensively to a, to a, to a level two. But you can still win games off your own back. Then I think that kind of it's kind of how I suppose the the Browns thought they were going to get that level of play from from Watson. Obviously, they still might from that. Still, they they st- might they still might. might. And they might, they might, you know, turn around and be like, "Well, look, we, you know, we paid that money, but look what we've got." But he's, you know, that's that's for another, another day. But I'm going to say yes, just because, again, when you can, when you bring that to the table, not a lot of QBs can say they can do that. Patrick Mahomes can do that, um, and yes, he, he's another one who got that fully guaranteed money. Um, I don't, I don't know really anybody else who I can say. Um, but that's that's who, my point of like, I don't think Lamar is in mm-hmm. the Mahomes spectrum, and I would say. Mahomes at this point is out there on his own. I agree. I agree. And if I was an owner, I wouldn't be looking at Lamar now and thinking, let's throw the bucket at him, guarantee money. Especially because of now the injury question marks come up again. I Mm -hmm. completely agree with the game changer aspect. And he can take over and use his athletic ability and and all of the weapons that he has available to him in his own skill set to run a game for the for the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. But he's rolled I think he's rolled the dice a very dangerous time almost. Yeah. And I'm I not sure he's going to get that the six contract <laughs> that he wants. Yeah. I yeah, just I just I don't do. think the guaranteed money's gonna come in. Yeah, that was the fear. And like I said, a lot of people had their opinions on it and you know a lot of NFL analysts like Ryan Clark, they wanted him to just take the money, um, get the bag, so to speak, just because of things like this. You know, the, the owners are put off as it is. And now you've, you know, back-to-back seasons where you've not... And it's not his fault. You got you get hurt. You know, no one's a Superman. But in this particular climate where, you know, he's chasing the big bag and you kind of want to see a bit more on the field to kind of back that up. Um, yeah, I don't know what happens from here. And whether he does stay or not, it's going to be an interesting off-season because the league is QB-starved. And there's a lot of moving parts this uh, coming this coming off season, so I think it's going to be one to one to watch for the ages. Yeah, it's it's QB starved, but there's fresh blood always coming in as massively, well. Massively, massively. And you never know what I mean. Brock Purdy, it's going to take mm-hmm. the Niners to a Super Bowl. I don't like it's it. It's possible. It's but... very possible, and it's looking likely every time I see him play. Oh my god! I mean, I was so glad that the Raiders at least put a chill up them last week. Just that was to, crazy, right? Just to what have a like... game. <laughs> Nobody sees the Raiders suddenly pulling that out of the bag. You bring in your backup no. QB and you suddenly go toe-to-toe with what is probably the best team in the NFC right now. Mm. Oh, I hate saying great. I do like it. I mean, I can't blame the guy. He's gone from Mr. Relevant to the relevant um, man of the NFL. So, poor props to him. And he's taking it in his stride too. 
stick with him if Garoppolo gets ready and fit back Ooh, in the playoffs. Man. Oh man, <laughs> if it ain't broke, you know, mm. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because Garoppolo was there not last season, season before. And if not for, I don't know if it's Brandon Ayuk, I can't remember who just fumbled that ball into the arms of the Kansas City guys. They would have been in the Super Bowl. Um, so do that. That's a good question. It's a great question. If, Bro- I if, think he... if Garoppolo doesn't overthrow one pass in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. in Miami, they win it against Oh, and that City. one, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. if Jaquiski Tart doesn't drop the interception last year. That was, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was that's... that. I don't know. I think you, oh, it's tough, isn't it? Purdy's done really well and he's got the chemistry. The players love him mm. um, and he is showing that he can do it. So I would be tempted to stick with him. Um, it's, a, <laughs> it's a tough one because you obviously got Trey Lance waiting in the wings for when he gets healthy too. I mean, he done. will be the guy moving forward. Think, you don't I think don't, so? No, I think, I think he'll, I think all of this, and again, we touched on it last week of when Lance was in, there were a lot of injuries around the 49ers and they didn't have Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey and that really doesn't help. Mm-hmm. But I think as well, Purdy and Garoppolo have come in and statistically outperformed Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily I say done in San Fran, but I don't think he's getting in the start next year. I think it'll be one yeah. of those two. Like I They're going to have a three-way QB controversy yep. going into yep. next year if they don't ship somebody out or move somebody on or something like that. And Lance might be the one that gets moved on somewhere. Mm. Then... If not for Purdy, I think maybe it would have been a slightly easier decision. But I think they made Garoppolo the highest paid backup when I think it was 10 million or something. I don't know how much it was. And, you know, you do that for a reason. And lo and behold, any steps and it's basically like last season all over again. He's he's the singing hero and then he breaks his leg or breaks his ankle, whatever it is. And now that Purdy, um, you know, you don't want to have to pay three of your guys any kind of decent money. So someone's going to have to go. And I do think you're right. Probably will be Lance. I, I, I said this to someone else before earlier on in the season that I, I thought Lance was going to be out and they kind of convinced me that Lance was going to be back in. But now I'm thinking, look, Purdy's getting it done. You've got maybe you keep Garoppolo as your guy or keep Purdy as a guy and Garoppolo backs him up again. You can't keep all three. Someone's got to go. You can have Jimmy G as your backup, the experienced elder statesman that you know what he brings. You can mm. have Purdy as your brand new, cheap, four years left on the deal, Mr. Irrelevant contract. And then Trey Lance is, what, this will be his third year next year? Yeah, it's unfortunate, man. Some, and it's like, some yeah, it's just, just Indianapolis. Yeah, there you go. You want the mobility guy? <laughs> I don't know, man. There's a lot of talk. <laughs> you see, you're there not in on about... Trey Lance that much. That laugh says it all. I didn't, I didn't see enough, man. I didn't see enough to be like, look, you know, we got a good draft pick. I'd rather we used it for once on a quarterback. We need other positions to fill. But let's stop the damn quarterback game. We've had enough of it. So is the league, and so is every damn Colts fan out there. So let's get a QB and let's build around that. George, um, where can where can everybody find your stuff, man? Uh, George on sports across everything, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. I've got my um, podcast, which is predominantly on YouTube right now, but that will be on Spotify and all other podcast platforms very soon, I promise. I keep saying it and I, I go to work on it, then I get distracted and I'm always jumping ship doing something different. But <laughs> George on sports across everything. Um, and stay tuned. Yeah, we've got some more episodes coming up. Um, and it's player football. So, you know, good news for for Demar Hamlin. That's given everybody a lift, mm-hmm. hopefully anyway. And um and hopefully he continues to recover and whether or not he does play again the main thing is he's healthy and well couldn't have said it better myself cheers buddy have a good night no problem